Super Talk Mississippi media production. Joining me now on the podcast, Nick Alvarez. He covers the Crimson Tide for AL.com. We talked uh, in the offseason about this Alabama team, and, and we really weren't going to be, we weren't too sure what they were going to be. Uh, early in the season, obviously, four weeks in, you know, what is this Alabama team to you thus far? Well, I mean, it's kind of a cop out answer to say I still don't know. I mean, I think part of that's due to the way the season's played out with the Texas loss, um, the weird quarterback change in week three, the reemergence of Jalen Milrow last weekend against Ole Miss. I mean, I still think this is a team that could go on to win the national championship, but as is evidence, like, it could also fall off the tracks really, really, really fast. We looked at you know Mississippi State, the way they've played in the secondary these past couple of weeks. Jaden Daniels, Spencer Rattler, players of the week after playing Mississippi State. And, and State giving these teams a lot of opportunities in the pocket. I mean, Rattler was 18 of 20. Daniels was 30 of 34. Milrow has not been a great passer thus far this season. He's had some big plays, but he hasn't been a consistent passer. I feel like he's going to have opportunities this weekend to throw the football. My question to you is, can he capital? do you think he can capitalize on the chances he's going to get? I think the worst thing a team could do to Jalen Milrow is give him too much time in the pocket. Because while you are right in some of the intermediate routes, there is some of the inconsistency that, you know, has you questioning him and, you know, that's been a question mark since his two games last season in the SEC, but his deep throws are fantastic. Like they're kind of textbook only where the only where your guy can get them. Um, the one he had Jermaine Burton that set up a touchdown uh, last week was just incredible down the field, kind of leading his receiver back toward the middle away from the safety. Um, but in terms of Mississippi state, not generating pressure in the last couple of weeks. I mean, I think they, can against the Alabama offensive line. Um, U- USF put up five sacks against Alabama week after Texas did the same. Ole Miss put up four sacks last week. And USF hadn't had five sacks in a game since they played UConn in 2019. And the Alabama offensive line is dealing with some shakeups right now. Um, Elijah Prisha and Caden Proctor both got reps at left tackle. Saban said he wanted to see both of them play after Caden had, you know, had some typical freshman struggles. Uh, in the beginning of the season. So I don't think the offensive line is you know, anywhere near the preseason expectations you know, people had for it, certainly the ones I think people around here did. Um, so I think that's, you know, if you want to see an opening for a team, I mean, it starts with you know, forcing Jalen to either run, take a couple sacks, which he hasn't been the best at avoiding, or you know, try to speed up that process so he can't hit the, you know, the one consistent rounds that he's been able to hit deep down the field. You mentioned that Alabama offensive line, and they have struggled this year. And, and without knowing the names of the players, I know that every one of them was a high four-star, five-star player coming out of high school. So it's not a talent issue. I don't think it's an evaluation issue because we're talking about Nick Saban here. Why hasn't that offensive line clicked, in your opinion? I think that some of the – when we were evaluating them in the, in the beginning of the season, at least from the media standpoint, I think the, the size was the big thing that kind of – excited everyone when you look at this team and Matt Stahl, my B partner at AL.com, you know, put up a story called the beef index, which is a great title and kind of looked at how Alabama literally was bigger on, on the offensive line than any other team in the conference, certainly amongst the starters. So when you were kind of looking at it in that aspect, you forget, or at least we maybe didn't look into it enough that they were replacing a handful of starters that J.C. Latham and Tyler Booker were kind of standouts. Tyler Booker missed that USF game. But, you know, Seth McLaughlin, 
emerged as the center last year. Darian Dalcourt was pivoting from center to guard and had kind of been a backup earlier in his career. Um, and in the left tackle spot, you know, they had no one who had started an SEC game or really significant playing time in the college game at left tackle coming into the year. And they went with the freshman who, you know, was the best in the country, the high school level last year. But, you know, it's obviously a different type of game playing in Iowa to then playing in the SEC. Um, so I think it's a combination of inexperience. Um, I think some of that inexperience has led to just an inability from the coaching standpoint to like get across exotic blitzes. Like Saban said after the South Florida game, that they're that's some of the most exotic pressures they're going to see. South Florida won a game last year. So I, I think it's one of those things where maybe the matchups haven't been favorable, but it's 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 been a concern. And I think the way you fix it is the way it did the last week, which is you know, a little bit more two tight end sets, um, more kind of extra protection from Melrose. The running backs haven't been perfect. Uh, block picking up blitzes by any means, but maybe coaching that up a little bit more. So it's 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 a bit of an interesting problem to have to fix. When you look at what Alabama was able to do last week on the defensive side of the ball, I mean, Ole Miss is a team that you know they put up points. They're able to run the football and move it on just about everybody. And Alabama really bottled them up. Ten points limited that running game. How was Alabama able to effectively slow down that Ole Miss offense? I think on the other side of the ball, Alabama is starting to hit you know, that quote-unquote standard, or certainly the expectations they set for themselves. Um, Dallas Turner is starting to emerge. I mean, he had, I say that like he didn't have five pressures the first week of the season, um, but now he's turned those into four and a half sacks, I believe, over the last two games he's played. So he's starting to terrorize offensive lines, as he's you know known to do. Um, from the linebacker standpoint, you know, they've had decent play there, but the secondary, I think, has been really kind of a star. Caleb Downs has kind of prevented some of those deep balls thrown behind him. Uh, Malachi Moore continues to kind of be a stud uh, and will probably be drafted next fall or excuse me, next spring. Um, you know, Kool-Aid McKinstry is Kool-Aid McKinstry. And then Terry and Arnold has just been kind of a heat-seeking missile as a tackler from the cornerback position. And it's been pretty good in coverage, too. So I think when you bring in that Lane Kiffin offense after two weeks of seeing Sark in Texas and then Alex Golesh, who terrorized Alabama with uh, Heifel in Tennessee last year as their offensive coordinator, you kind of had seen it all to that point. So Kiffin tried some of those same motions, tried some of those delayed releases, and Alabama just kind of you know, had that lockdown. So. When you, we do this podcast every Friday, we, we we talk about an offensive, a defensive player of the game, and then a guy we call the X Factor. Not necessarily a big stat guy for this particular game, but somebody you could see making a big play in the game that makes a difference. If you had to pick an X Factor for Alabama in this game, who would it be? I'm going to go with Jahad Campbell. Uh, go back to that linebacker position. Uh, Deontay Lawson sprained, or, yeah, sprained his ankle and statement said it was a pretty good one uh, against Ole Miss. So while he's you know listed day to day, Alabama's going to be pretty coy about his, his availability. If I had to put money on it right now, I don't think he's going to be able to go this weekend. That's going to leave Alabama obviously without one of its best tacklers, but also without a defensive signal caller. So you know defense has been improving. You're going to have someone now in new relaying the plays, regardless of who they come from, whether it's you know Javaris Robinson or Kevin Steele or Nick Saban himself, as Kevin kind of joked about. So. Who's going to be orchestrating that defense? Who's going to be kind of leading it? And then obviously, who's going to be effective enough to, you know, either step up on those runs or get enough depth in coverage? And Campbell would, in my head, I guess, be in line to do that, or, uh, or him or Tresman Marshall. But Campbell had that big hit uh, against Ole Miss. So I'll go with him. 
We've talked about this game this week on the podcast, and, and it's not about wins and losses for Mississippi State playing Alabama. I don't think anybody over here is predicting a Mississippi State victory. It's about being competitive with the Crimson Tide for the first time since 2017. With what you've seen of Alabama and what you know about Mississippi State, do you feel like this game can at least be competitive for four quarters? I mean, USF was, again, keep going back to that game, but I think it was really striking, even more than that Texas game for a lot of people. Like if South Florida could hang and be beating Alabama uh, through halftime, why can't any SEC program, let alone one that, you know, has some talent? Um, um, what's as the ball, as Davis pointed out, like Mississippi State. So, you know, if the offense is clicking and they found something, maybe against Ole Miss, and the defense stays hot, yeah, it's going to be a long day for Bulldogs fans. But, you know, like I said, the offensive line has still not been efficient. That can be that can be a thing that keeps the game close. Um, you know, penalties haven't been perfect. Alabama has had five touchdowns taken off the board the last three weeks um, just because of penalties, which is insane, and they've come in every different aspect of, of, of the game. Um, that keeps the game close, um, prevents a blowout from happening. So, I mean, Will, Will Rogers is a pretty good quarterback, so that would be a fun match to see. So. We'll see what happens uh, Saturday. Davis Wade Stadium. Late night, are you, are you prepared to stay up? You got, you got a couple Red Bulls, a couple monsters you're going to have to, to go with? What's going on there? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of gaming it out. I'm looking at it as kind of a precursor <laughs> to the Iron Bowl, because that'll be in Auburn this yeah. year. So, uh, yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting. Uh, first SEC night game for me. It'll be a good one. I, you know, I'm an old man, Nick. I'm not sure I can. I'm, this is way past my bedtime. I'm, I'm used to <laughs> being way out of out by 10 o'clock. We'll see what happens. Nick Alvarez, AL.com. Thanks so much for your time, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.